Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. We all made fun of a president that wouldn't leave the White House. Are we laughing now? What makes a mob riot and take over what is supposed to be one of the most secure buildings in the world? What happens after the Washington riots? The president is still the president for a few more days. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. What has happened in the U.S. scares me. We must use this to motivate us all to come together, unite, and not divide. For my future generation, it's the Scott Thompson Home Show. Here, Scott Thompson! <sighs> Normally those things kind of make me chuckle. Uh, not so much today. Um... Sounds different coming from a kid, doesn't it? Good afternoon, 1210-900-CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Will Erskine back at the station keeping the Scott Thompson Home Show on the air. Week number 43 and uh, a weird day, a wild day, a wild 24 hours and uh, lots to talk about today. So um, buckle in and uh, hang on. It's it's going to be an interesting day. Uh, obviously, lots to talk about, and we would love to also hear from you. There's lots of ways to do that. You can send us a note via the website, Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. The phone lines are always open. Facebook and Twitter as well. Do not forget that. Uh, you'll find the podcast edition of the commentary waiting for you and the written version on the website. Love to hear your response on that. Uh, talking about the events of the last 24 hours uh, in the United States. We'll talk about that a little bit later. First, let's go right to Reggie Giacchini, Washington Bureau Chief uh, for Global News. And he is in Washington. We'll get the latest from what is going on. Reggie, thank you for the time. Uh, man, what an incredible day. What are your thoughts on what has happened over the last 24 hours? Yeah, look, the last 24 hours was uh, a stain uh, in on U.S. democracy. It was a stain on the closing weeks of the Trump administration. Uh, the last 24 hours, it was one of the darkest days that this country has seen. Uh, in, in the hours since then, we are getting a better look as to what happened inside the Capitol. We are getting a better look as to uh, what needs to change, uh, whether it's investigations about the breach of security, whether it's investigations into uh, President Trump's actions. This is sparking conversations that some people say should have been going on for several years. Uh, let's talk about the security aspect of this right off the top. I mean, post 9-11, this was supposed to be one of the most secure buildings in the world. How the heck did people get onto the floor? Yeah, look, this, this is a question that is uh, being asked over and over again. Uh, part of the reason is Capitol Police, U.S. Capitol Police, simply aren't well equipped to deal with riots. That's why there are riot police, but those riot police weren't deployed, much like we saw them deployed uh, during the summertime protests when we were outside uh, of the White House. Uh, also, there were just simply far too many people to deal with the sheer number of people that were trying to break through and ultimately did break through uh, the floor. Uh, and, you know, there are pictures going around of some of these Capitol Police officers, you know, being friendly with the people inside, opening doors for them, yeah. raising questions as to what the ultimate goal here was, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, just a, a, a kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision that may have consequences or whether they were just trying to uh, ensure that they were not kind of using a strong-armed approach uh, and potentially tilting a situation that was going bad the wrong direction. 
Uh, so that being said, I know we've only got you for a limited time. You're a busy guy today. Um, that being said, update to now. Obviously, Vice President Pence, uh, in the wee hours of this morning, declared uh, Joe Biden the winner of the election. What about the Republican Party? Are there still supporters? Are they distancing uh, themselves from the president? Yeah, look, there are some uh, supporters, uh, some Republicans who are walking away from the president, namely Lindsey McConnell, namely uh, Lindsey Graham, rather, namely uh, Mitch McConnell. But there are members of the Republican Party standing strong with President Trump, whether it's Ted Cruz or, or someone like Josh Hawley. And it opens question as to what their ultimate end game is, uh, because, you know, if they're looking for the president's backing, whether it's for a presidential run down the road or whether it's to keep their own seats in their next uh, election, it's unclear if President Trump is simply going to go after them uh, or, or, or befriend them. This, 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 you know, it, it's unclear what the Republicans are trying to do right now. Uh, it's also worth pointing out that there are conversations that are sparking up as to whether or not President Trump should simply be removed from office. Uh, and there could be Republican support for that as well. So there's a lot going on inside Capitol right now with very few days left in President Trump's uh, uh, term. And that was my next question, Reggie. What does this mean for the next 14 days? I mean, we are we are talking about uh, various means to remove him. Some say that's a long shot. There's only 14 days left. What 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 is in store? Well, look. Uh, just a couple of minutes ago, uh, we heard from the incoming Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck uh, Schumer say that effective immediately, President Trump needs to be removed from office. And they're calling on Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment, which has never been used before, uh, Section Four, which transfers. Uh, the power from the presidency to the vice president if he or she is deemed to be unfit. Uh, that is what the call is amongst Democrats. Uh, we may hear that call amongst Republicans, but all it would take is either a majority of the executive cabinet, who has also been having this conversation, or the majority of the committee that would be set up. These are avenues that are possible. So, too, is the possibility of a very quick impeachment trial, not the big bells and whistles that we saw last year. Uh, you know, no testimony, no hearings. A simple vote on the floor in the House and the Senate to see if senators put themselves on the record an impeachment go through. They have avenues. They just don't have a lot of time to get them done. All right. Last question, Reggie. Um, uh, we certainly many have said they could see this coming. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. This has been building over time, uh, especially when you hold a rally right across from where they're counting a vote and then tell people to go down and march uh, to the Capitol. Will this change the tone of politicians now that they've had their space inv- invaded? Is this a coming to Jesus moment for American politics? You'd think that it is, Scott, uh, except last night in the very early hours of the morning, you know, only hours after uh, the, the seat of U.S. government, uh, which is ultimately kind of the, the heart of U.S. democracy, was invaded. We had Republican senators and Republican representatives stand up and continue to object to the uh, certification of Electoral College votes uh, in Pennsylvania. We had one representative stand up and object to the, the votes in Wisconsin, even after the vitriol rhetoric that President Trump and his enablers have been putting out in the public to his supporters that led to that calamitous event inside the Capitol building, Republicans still stood up and put the president over their constitutional duties. So is it a come-to-Jesus moment? Potentially for some. But otherwise, this could simply be the new Trump Republican Party and how they are going to operate in politics. All right, this will be the last one, Reggie. Uh, anything more from Donald Trump? I know he's been banned from Twitter, or sorry, for the 12, next 12 hours. Facebook's removed him permanently. Uh, he has spoken through an official and his Twitter account that he will there will be a peaceful transition, but he still does not concede. Anything more on the president's uh, state of mind or what he's thinking today? 
well, no, look, the president is in bunker mentality right now. Uh, those around him say that he, he's just impossible to deal with, uh, but he's still carrying on with what he normally does. You know, today he was ha- handing out more presidential medals of freedom, obviously without the press, obviously without the cameras, but also, you know, having fewer social media uh, sites to be able to access, it makes it more difficult for him to be able to put out that rhetoric that he's used to drum up the anger uh, and kind of political divisiveness that we've seen play out over the last four years, really, but over the last three months and 24 hours. So, you know, whether the president comes out and makes an address to the nation, which he's been called to do frequently by both parties, uh, you know, it's still something to be seen. His Twitter account, you know, unlocking uh, is over now, so he, he is able to access his account. It's simply going to be, you know, what does he say with those limited characters that he has? Reggie Cicchini, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Make sure you're watching Global Tonight at uh, 5.30 and 6 for more on all of this. Great work, Reggie. Thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Thank you. Let's bring in Jason Opel, Associate Professor and Chair, Department of History and Classical Studies, McGill University. Jason, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. Oh, yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm guessing I know what your reaction is, but I'd like to hear it through your own words. What are your thoughts on what's transpired in the last 24 hours? Well, you know, I was telling someone that I wish I spoke German because, you know, there's those like, long German words with like 30 letters that, that mean complicated things. And I'm sure there's a word that says or means totally shocking yet totally predictable. Uh, and that's what this was, um, completely shocking in the sense that it's basically at the, the, the most important sort of space of American democratic life, um, basically just trashed for a couple hours. Um, so it's stunning and it kind of deeply upsetting, you know, it's kind of a general sense, but on the other hand, completely predictable, given that literally, a, you know, an hour or so earlier, 40 minutes earlier, the most powerful person in the United States, about two and a half kilometers away, told them to go and do that or told them to go to the Congress. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's both shocking and predictable. Um, I'm glad that I was worried for a minute that there was going to spiral into greater violence. There were reports that seemed to be unfounded of explosives in the city. Um, but there were four people dead. I mean, it's a, it's a congressional session that ended with a body count of four. Is this, oh, is this now over for Donald Trump, or is this just the beginning of a new era? Does this start another fire? Um, I or think put one out? Yeah, I think for Mr. Trump, he's a, he'll, he'll stay in bunker mentality for a while, you know, not a while, a few days. Uh, he'll be back up tweeting very soon, I'm sure. He's never going to apologize or take any, you know, there's no reason to think that that will ever happen. Um, what will he do? I, I do think that the most likely scenario is that there really will be a kind of, you know, Trump party um, it, to sort of emerge from this. Whether it consumes the Republican Party, the remains of the Republican Party remains to be seen. Um, but really, you know, if I may, some of the most shocking parts of yesterday after the riot and the body count was that no fewer than 138 Republican members of the House of Representatives, that's 65% of the GOP contingent in the House, voted to basically disqualify the electors in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So almost two-thirds of the party, after a few hours after the Senate chamber had been trashed, uh, voted basically for what the um, people who did the trashing wanted, which is extraordinary. 
So that being said, is this just the beginning of a new movement? Uh, Many have said, you know, 14 days, this is gone, this is over, or... Uh, is is will there be a resurrection here? Clearly, there's a lot of people, and, and you know, I, I don't mean to paint Republicans with the pictures that we're seeing on on uh, various media sources uh, today. But you know, this is this is obviously extremism. But where does yeah. this party go from here? So I really think you know it's, the, the immediate chaos is over. But it's, no, it's not over. I mean, so there there are tens of millions of people with a well constructed. Um, social media ecosystem echo chamber um, that believe the United States is run by satanic pe- uh, pedo- pedophilic um, elites. And as insane as that sounds, that's the deal. And it is, um, I was reading a, a, a reporter, a, a journalist who's been working on the, one of these fringe movements says they're actually continually traumatizing themselves by thinking that the U.S. is being run by these satanic pedophiles. And that is a certain small number of them will will resort to violence. So um, it really does not look good for the next couple of months. Um, the best that can be hoped for for the United States is um, competent governance over the next couple of months to bring the raging pandemic, um, which as bad as is in Canada is raging many times worse in the U.S., under some degree of control, um, that would at least tamper some of this to show that there can be a kind of like functioning society. Um, but I, I have to say that the, 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 the medium term um, uh, prognosis is just not good. So what are your thoughts on the fact that this building could even be penetrated? I mean, here we are in a post 9-11 world. This should be one of the most secure buildings in the world. How could this ever have happened? absolutely incredible so i used to live near there and i you know i was there a few years ago and usually if you walk up to the congress even when it's not in session there are laser sighted m16s you know on you you can't just walk in right so it is astonishing and the only thing i can say about that is that it appears that what occurred is that the capitol police um who were not who should not have been the ones who were in charge of security they, they should have been the, they're just the inner sanctum of this like inside the building basically just they seem to have kind of Okay, here come these people, and they just came from the president's speech, and they kind of let them up the stairs, and they let them go through the barricades, and then they seem to have just sort of, few of them kind of just ran inside the building, and that just set off the melee. But you're absolutely right that the, one of the burning questions is, how did that occur? How were the National Guard, um, or just the D.C. regular police, not guarding Congress while it was in session? I mean, it is... Um, so that part is totally shocking and totally unpredictable that there could be such a breach at such a moment. And and again, I, I know for the most part, the counting of the electoral uh, ballots is probably one of the more, more boring things in this yes. whole process. But that being said, as you mentioned, you know, for for a, quite a period of time, we've known that Donald Trump is going to hold this rally just yes. a couple of blocks from where this is actually happening. So, uh, again, how could you not have put two and two together here over and above I, the normal day to day occurrence? Like, I think saying Washington police or Capitol Police were not prepared. Uh, that just doesn't fly because guess what? They're, they're, you know, I mean, the White House stands there. So at the end of the day, how could they have not been ready? I completely agree. I'll just say one thing, not really like to defend them because, you know, there's just so much, there's so much explaining to do. Just more in terms of the D.C. governance in general. 
So we got to understand here that, you know, Washington, D.C. is an overwhelmingly right. Democratic, majority black city. It has some of the strictest gun laws in the United States, which we know is not saying much, but still is saying something, right? The mayor of D.C. and the leadership probably were wise to say, let's try to, like, let, you know, these heavily armed Trump supporters roam around the city and kind of avoid them. That's probably a good move. But what clearly they should have done as well is, well, yeah, you can move away and avoid, but you got to secure the capital where there's going to be this political event that is actually being targeted specifically, repeatedly by the president himself. So, so I'm just saying that the context is that they probably, they, the DC leadership were trying to de-escalate and avoid, but it obviously, you know, lost sight of, the caveat to that, which is the Capitol, when in session, doing this boring but important thing, has to be protected, and it was not. So what do you predict the next 14 days will be like? Uh, there's still two weeks to go for this president. Yeah, I think he'll stay in the bunker for another 24 hours or so, and then he'll be up tweeting um, basically the same thing, uh, you know, that the election was stolen, the people who did that were great. Um, there will be calls. There are you know, movements now to invoke the 25th Amendment, which was developed in 1967 to deal with the situation in which the president was unable to do their duties. I doubt that'll happen, though, because it would require Mike Pence and other members of the cabinet to make that initial move and say we're removing the president. Um, I think the more likely scenario is there'll be a new motion for impeachment uh, on the basis of a number of federal laws <laughs> violated by Mr. Trump over the last 72 hours. Um, but I think he'll ride out, like he'll make it through uh, the 20th. And on the 20th, I think he'll just disappear. I think he'll go to Mar-a-Lago Mar for a while. Um, but he will be back um, on, you know, addressing essentially Trump nation um, when he's out of office. And um, it'll be next to COVID, the most important things for Mr. Biden to take care of. Jason Opel with us, Associate Professor and Chair, Department of History and Classical Studies, McGill University. Fascinating times, Jason. Thanks so much for the insight. Be well. My pleasure. Take care. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're going to have to fight much harder. And Mike Pence is going to have to come through for us. And if he doesn't, that will be a, a sad day for our country. Because... You're sworn to uphold our Constitution. Man, what an incredible 24 hours. Uh, Donald Trump, you heard at the beginning, at a rally just prior to the electoral vote count, uh, not far from it, and then uh, encouraging those to march on uh, the steps, and uh, you saw what happened. And then... Of course, the vice president speaking uh, back in back on the floor uh, after the riots had been uh, extinguished and uh, and security, uh, I guess, achieved and uh, the politicians allowed to go back into uh, the chamber and, and do their business. Today was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. But thanks to the swift efforts of U.S. Capitol Police, federal, state and local law enforcement, the violence was quelled. The capital is secured and the people's work continues.
And eventually, of course, uh, Joe Biden declared uh, uh, the president uh, come uh, January 20th, uh, president of the United States. Uh, That being said, uh, President Trump has been uh, ordered off his social platforms. I understand his restriction for Twitter has been uh, has is back in place, but he hasn't said anything on Twitter. Facebook, of course, as you just heard, has taken him off uh, indefinitely. So uh, an incredible turn of events. Uh, the president has announced that he will, uh, there will be an orderly transition of power, but he still does not buy the outcome of the election. Let's bring in Elliot Tepper, uh, and, and what has been just an incredible time, emeritus professor of political science, Carleton University. Elliot, thanks for the time. I hope you're well. Uh, thank you, Scott. I, I'm rather glued to the, uh, media at the minute but i'm just i i know i'm 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 doing the same thing i got one eye on my computer screen the other one uh watching the news services here uh elliot you're you're laughing as we come to the uh, as we come to this interview but and and i think because we expected this did we not can anybody be surprised here well my laughter is rueful uh i'm glued to this because terrible things have happened yeah did we expect this particular incident uh, not really, although the possibility for violence is something that uh, I think you and I have discussed. Uh, certainly, it's, it's been a, a clear uh, potential for a very long time through the actions of the president. He has uh, brilliantly executed a plan to disrupt the counting of the Electoral College votes that would remove him from office. Uh, this uh, incitement was well-planned. He, he called the he called his troops together. He sent them down to the capital. They stormed the capital. They disrupted the count. So in that case, in that sense, it was uh, well executed. But as a result, we now have a an incredible situation of mobs taking over the capital building, and now uh, after that, uh, being cleared out. But they just walked on out. They're they're scattered now. The FBI apparently is now on there trying to identify individuals. But we have a, a situation where the President of the United States is being charged by many people with incitement and a broadening, a broadening, a broadening, I won't say coalition, but a broadening number of people in terms of their backgrounds, their party, their past experience with him are calling for him one way or another to be removed before, uh, before the end of his term. Do you think that's going to happen? And what does this mean for the next 14 days? It means everybody's very worried about the next 14 days. He is still the president. Uh, U.S. only has one president at a time, and he's president completely and fully until uh, noon on January 20th when the new president takes over. He has all the powers of the presidency. He's still got the nuclear football. He's still commander-in-chief. He's, he uh, just withdrew the nomination of his uh, Department of Homeland Security secretary. Why is he doing that? What's going to happen next? Is he appointing somebody else? Does it open up uh, an avenue for him to use that department's resources or human resources in other ways? A lot is happening right now, a lot of grave concern. But the main takeaway is that America's capital was attacked. The American president is involved uh, with that attack, uh, he's very possibly going to face incitement charges at some point. Remember, he, he loses his immunity and, uh, from, from prosecution in a few days. We are in a, a very um, extraordinary moment in history, Scott. 
Um, so is this a come to Jesus moment for the politicians of Oshawa or of, uh, of, of Oshawa, uh, the politicians, uh, in Washington? Uh, is this something that will affect them so deeply that it will change their tone? Or are we going to see more of this movement? There is, um, a clear divide now. The, this has brought to a head the possibility of the Republican Party having to face its, its circumstance facing going forward. The party has split. Uh, party loyalists, the vice president <laughs> included, and now I see William Barr has just come out and said that uh, this is a betrayal. Trump has, uh, has betrayed his office. Republicans are now, I think, contesting for the future. I think you and I discussed this a few days ago. The party is now split. The, there are those who are saying, I'm with Trump till the end, wherever that end may be, and others who are now saying, uh, either by their silence or by not supporting, this was the key thing, not supporting the, the uh, attempt to overthrow the Electoral College, that was a clear line. So that you have what I guess can call the Cruz-Hawley faction of the Republican Party, where in the House of Representatives, well over half of the total number of that Republican caucus supported the move to divert, uh, subvert the Electoral College, but the others haven't. So people are now making their choice as to which side of the party are they, are they going to go forward with. And which side has the most influence, Elliot? Who will end up defining this party? That's what elections are for. That's what nominations are for. That's what the political process is for. That is what's, I think, up in the air. I think that's what's happening. The defeat in Georgia, not just the defeat in the right. election, but the fact that the president went down to Georgia, put it all on the line, and he lost, is now a signal to a lot of people that maybe that formidable base isn't something that is formidable after all. They are making fundamental choices about, first of all, their, their attitude toward the Constitution of America and their duties to it as elected officials, but also... Going forward, what kind of Republican Party uh, do they envision, and where do they want to be in the years ahead? So uh, we know this has divided the party. Has this divided the base? Are there some that have said this is too? We've gone too far here. Apparently, would-be leaders of the party, uh, real heavyweights like Lindsey Graham, uh, Tom Cotton, uh, there are people that are going to be vying for the nomination to replace Trump, assuming he doesn't freeze that or you know, become the nominee himself, they're placing their bets that it's better to not have joined Trump at this point than to, and Marco Rubio is another one, and, there, and there's, there's, there's others who are up and coming. This is up for the Republican Party to sort out. There's even the possibility being talked about the party may split. Uh, there may end up being two parties. Uh, they, there may not be a way to save this Republican Party and turn it over to a Trump party, a real actual Trump party, and then come up with a new party altogether. All this is up in the air at the moment. What we do know is that Trump's behavior has caused a crisis in America's uh, political history because of this attack on the Capitol, and going forward, a crisis for how the, how the polity will respond. This all started with the president holding a rally on the same day and a few blocks from where they were going to count the electoral vote. 
14 days could we see another rally there was chatter before during the inauguration he was going to have a rally at the same time what happens and again i'm not sure from the storming of the building to all of this i I mean this was a total setup are are we going to fall for this again is there another rally uh, planned the possibility that he could call basically his people his troops into the street and that violence would ensue has been there for a long time. This particular rally started several weeks ago. He started to plan for this as a while the ballot, while the electoral college of deliberations were underway. Normally, a totally innocuous and out of out of the news activity, but uh, this was well planned in advance. He can always call people to the streets. One of the just a little side note here. Uh, some of those are militias, and some of them are have training, and a lot of them are armed. That did not seem to be the case in this instance. As terrible as it was, these were basically amateurs. Uh, they they were not. Uh, the situation could have been far far worse had actual militias that he could call into the street that he he can encourage had they taken part. What's going to happen in the next thirteen days is really very much in everybody's mind. You now have numerous calls to find some way to remove him from office between now and then. Unbelievable. I can't believe how many times we have talked about this very sort of thing, Elliot. It is it is unbelievable to see it all come to fruition. Elliot Tepper with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. As always, Elliot, thanks so much for the time. Be well. And to you, Scott. Take care. So many layers to what happened uh, in Washington yesterday, but the biggest, one of the biggest, has to be security. How the heck did this happen, especially in what is supposed to be one of the most protected buildings in the world post 9-11? Let's bring in David Hyde, security expert. He is with us now. David, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. Great, Scott. Your thoughts on what happened? How How do you get a breach like this? It was very shocking, Scott, to watch that unfold, of course, in real time uh, at, at you know, one of those buildings that really should be kind of the best protected buildings on Earth, frankly, in terms of the layers of security that should have been in place. I, I mean, really, where do you start? I mean, the, the reality is here that it, it's a failure of, of planning and advanced coordination and doing the things with the right groups of coordinating and cooperating law enforcement groups. That didn't happen here, you know, various reasons why it didn't happen, Scott. The mayor uh, of, um, of D.C. was very sensitized to the summer protests that had happened with, uh, against police brutality, where there'd been an overwhelming show of federal force. And she was very uh, protective, if you will, of, of this um, Capitol building. And she wanted to handle the security with D.C. law enforcement sources, really kind of rejected in some respects, the federal police didn't want Homeland Security and other groups to come into the mix. And that was a mistake. And unfortunately here, we saw that the local police forces had all the will in the world, and they did not have the, 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 the numbers and plans in place and the intelligence into the protesters, uh, you know, wh- wh- who was coming, what, how many were coming, when were they coming. Typically, Scott, in, in Canada, we've seen this many times. I've been involved in, in these kind of plans and when we, we're, we're gathering intelligence from the protest entity itself, we plant um, plainclothes law enforcement officers or people in that protest group. So we know what's happening, the hub of the protest, what the timing is, where they're going to form. And all these things are fed into the central command for law enforcement. 
None of that really happened here. The capital was kind of a sitting duck. Uh, layers of security were in place, and, and they were breached quite easily because there just wasn't enough planning and there weren't enough police people in place to, to repel the, uh, the protest groups. It seems odd, though, uh, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, David, that the Washington mayor, would fingers would be pointing towards her simply because uh, this was not well planned. This is Washington. Uh, there is an important event going on as far as the electoral count. We've got a president who, who throws fuel on the fire and did so by holding a rally and, the peop- and telling the people to go march on Capitol Hill. So how can you not be ready? All of the, like, I mean, it's like watching a bonfire and, 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 and saying there's no matches. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, Scott, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, it, it's um, it, it, no, no doubt it's a colossal security failure. I mean, I'm reading a tweet right here that your, your listeners could read for themselves on, on, on Twitter from the mayor, Muriel Brown, uh, in District of Columbia, requesting that other federal law enforcement personnel are discouraged from deploying, and, and they, but they must speak to us first and consult. So I'm not saying that, that there wasn't an opportunity mm-hmm. for coordination, but it seemed to me as though the mayor of, of, of D.C. set a pretty bad tone in terms of the willingness to collaborate uh, in the planning. I think the rhetoric increased the, um, the, 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 the tensions and the likelihood of a massive protest came together in the last week or so leading up to, to, to this electoral college verification and and you know the the right agencies didn't get together and really put all the efforts into planning there wasn't that coordination there are fiefdoms up there scott and i know that area reasonably well and have dealt with some of those security groups before and they each have their own areas that there's the park police that that, that deal with right. a certain part there's the there's the you know the, the police that do the capital then there's the city police and and there's there's lots of you know disquiet amongst those groups and they've had issues before so again no finger pointing here scott but it was a colossal failure there were political connections in here you know there was, there was talk about did some of the police people kind of stand aside and and maybe you know a small number and I that was that was another question, lie. David. That was yeah. another question. There's video of them taking selfies with some of the demonstrators. Apparently, accusations of them letting them actually in. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, look, um, th- this was a, a different kind of protest. Any type of a protest like this is is dangerous and, and needs to be dealt with very very firmly and strictly. But obviously, there's a real political undertone to this, and there's an unprecedented tone and tenor in in Washington. You know, in, in, with the recent vote and the way people feel, and a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, in the states, a, a, a significant minority of the of the country, believe that the election was stolen, and there was inconsistency, and there was inequity, and it wasn't fair, and this and this, and and they they feel, uh, rightly or wrongly, again, and many people would say wrongly, they felt the need to not just be verbal about that, but to actually take action and go down to to this location. I mean, this was known. And and there's 2,000 police officers that work uh, there in that, um, at the Capitol. And some of them have political views as well and and might lean that way and and have had a bit of sympathy or or, or felt that there was some legitimacy to some of these protesters that were coming in. So definitely, Scott, this will all form part of the investigation. But, but look, you won't get a more dangerous situation than law enforcement almost being co-opted. And again, it's very unusual. It doesn't happen very often. 
but you also see it occasionally in the military where they allowed something to happen and, and somebody came in or the police allowed a failure. Very unusual. But if it happens, Scott, it's very, very dangerous. So what about a post-mortem here, David? Like, what, what are we going to learn or what are they going to learn moving forward from this uh, procedure, policy, that sort of thing? Yeah, there's going to be a, a, a very, very fulsome investigation, Scott. I mean, simple things like, you know, should there be a very strong perimeter barrier around the Capitol? Uh, you know, the, 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 the chief of security, previous chief of security back in around 2013 had requested a very firm physical barrier around the capital or key areas to avoid this kind of scenario. What happened? That it was turned down because the politicos felt that it would send the wrong message and it wouldn't be something that the public would, would get the right feel for the capital building. The capital building was, is 19th century, Scott. Those doors and windows, they're not built to withstand the type of hmm. attacks that they, that they took there. So there's a lot of things that are now going to be in, in, in balance. We're really seeing a new political tone. The, the whole um, end of the Trump presidency has brought so much rancor and, and different things to the, to the fore that we are seeing things that we never thought we would see. We're seeing gatherings and groups and fomenting uh, violence and these kind of things that it's always possible, Scott, but you don't expect that, that the country and the seats of democracy there will go to, to that kind of a, down that road. So we need to rethink security and they need to look at this in a fresh light and, re- and go over all of the planning that didn't take place. And one quick thing, Scott, they should have had an area set aside, very common in this planning. Those protesters should have been channeled to a specific area where they mm. can be very close to the Capitol. They can see the building. They can imagine what's happening inside, but they're not allowed to storm the building. And these are all pre-planning things that are very commonly done, you know, uh, in any kind of a protest, even in a shopping mall, let alone the Capitol building. And these are things that weren't done and, and will all be in the light of day now, gone over with a very fine-toothed comb to try to find out why this happened. Unbelievable. Uh, David Hyde has been with us, security expert, trying to explain what happened and how uh, the Capitol building was breached yesterday. David, thank you so much for the time and insight. As always, be well. You too, Scott. Cheers. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Feel free to jump into the... (laughs) Many conversations that are going on uh, today. Facebook, Twitter, you also find uh, the podcast of the comment, podcast edition of the commentary there talking about what has happened in the last uh, 24 hours and how politicians of all political stripes have to denounce extremism as opposed to use it against each other. Uh, just a, bina- a bizarre scenario unfolding uh, on uh, Capitol Hill yesterday. Uh, and just prior to that, a rally from the president um a rally for what i'm not sure uh but again encouraging those to march and uh head down to uh the capitol building and we all know the rest of the story um let's t- uh, first uh you know try to think about the people involved here and what makes someone do this sort of thing i think what i noticed when watching the clips uh here was that th- these protesters seem to be from all ages there's like old people there there's young people there it, it was very bizarre uh to talk more about all of this let's bring in dr david hoffman associate professor of sociology at the university of new brunswick and is with us now david thank you for the time i hope you're doing well i'm doing great thanks for having me again scott 
Your thoughts on what you saw unravel yesterday? And again, I, I, I mean, I, I can't believe just at the demographic. I remember seeing some lady go through a window and then with a big smile on her face start taking selfies as she held up a piece of, I guess, the nameplate from from Pelosi's door. Uh, you know, th- this looked like, uh, you know, people at Disneyland. How do you explain this? Well, that's part of uh, one of the elements of, of what constitutes the, the current far rights um, core ideology or, or, or what attracts a number of these individuals to the movement is, is um, it, it's a, a quest for significance. It's, it's, it's almost like a, they're, they're role playing uh, a certain uh, fantasy. The, what I'm trying to get at here is um, in a world of, of grace, in a world of uncertainties, uh, conspiracy theories like the election was stolen from Trump or being put forward by by QAnon um, is a is a very attractive way for for people from all walks of life and all ages to place themselves at, at the center of this this great power struggle to to, to uh, make what they're doing significant to allow them to achieve a, a form of, of transcendence to be a part of something greater than themselves. So, I mean, why and how someone engages in this type of behavior is extremely complex. But when you when you mentioned the demographics, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is it's almost it's almost like they're trying to play out a, a fantasy, um, which is is, again, an element of many, many reasons why these people do what they do. Is this what the dis- disenfranchised have come to? I mean, we also have to ask, is this just about my team winning and your team losing? Or is this people that are just so frustrated with what their life has become, this is the only means they feel there is to, to make a statement? Well, you've touched on uh, another main reason why people get involved. And in, in really, this is exceptional and extraordinary behavior, uh, let alone the event, but how and why people can can um, uh, raid the Capitol building and, and engage in this uh, not only extremely risky behavior, but, but uh, I dare say unprecedented behavior in modern times. And the idea here is it, it's, it's symptomatic of greater anxieties and greater issues that Trump managed to tap into with his rhetoric and with his denial of the, the uh, election results. So, so what we're seeing here is uh, essentially the, the end game, the, the explosion of um, uh, anger of of, of disenfranchised. Uh, dis- oh, sorry, it tongue twister. Uh, disenfranchised people who um, who are uh, getting legitimized by by the most powerful person in their country, getting egged on by the most powerful person in their country, and therefore feel validated in expressing their um, their discontent in in a violent and and shocking way. What a, talk a little bit about the mob mentality here. It, it's like there's people standing there watching people beat a door down, and, you know, I'm not going to do that, but I'll watch you do it. But then once you bang the door open, come on, let's go, everybody come through. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. you know, again, not only should this be one of the most secure buildings in the world, I'm guessing it has quite an elaborate video system. Like, is there no fear of getting caught here? I'm thinking of the, the shots we've seen of the guy working the, wearing the Viking helmet and the person that's sitting in the mm-hmm. chair of of the speaker i mean at the end of the day you know they are going to get caught and they will be made examples of like this will not be a slap on the wrist for them no uh we we saw something similar with in 2010 with the vancouver riots people uh, and the high profile people there who were arrested uh, were you know students were law-abiding individuals 
And the idea here, it's, it's a basic psychological concept called diffusion of responsibility. Uh, if it's just one person doing one thing, you can't, it's, it's much harder to shoulder the responsibilities for your action, particularly if it's antisocial or there's consequences. When there's uh, 10, 15, 20, 100 people doing things like this, the, the onus, the, 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 um, uh, the responsibility for the act gets shared. It, it's like, it's like literally sharing the, the, um, uh, I guess the guilt, uh, and the responsibility for the act amongst many people. So you, you get individuals engaging in behaviors that they ne- uh, normally would never, ever, ever do if they were alone or, um, uh, in a small group. But when there's hundreds of people doing it, well, it's very easy to point your neighbor. Well, you know, I was caught up in the moment or pointing to the, well, he was looting. Therefore I, I am a lot. <laughs> well, he was wearing, you know, the QAnon shaman thing and yelling. So it was more appropriate for me to go in and yell at the cops, so on and so forth. So it, it's, it's been documented very, very, uh, extensively in, in academic literature. So now everybody is like, oh, shock and dismay. Some are saying, well, couldn't you see this coming? But everybody is just totally uh, dumbfounded, disgusted with what has happened. Now, that being said, is this a come to Jesus moment for the politicians in that house? uh, Or will we see more of this? Um, I'm not sure it's a come to Jesus moment. I think think this is a, a, a monster that was created by uh, uh, bipartisan politics in the U.S., and there's a little bit of shock by, by uh, certain members of, of their government that this, you know, this, and it's a little bit of a silly shock that this, this great monster actually turned on them. You know, if, if you put a wolf in a cage and prod them for six months and, and then you, you let the wolf out of the cage, well, don't be surprised when that wolf bites you, bites you in the, uh, on the hunt, right? Um, whether, whether this is a, a come-to-Jesus moment, I, I'm... I'm not 100% sure. I, I, would, I would say, well, we haven't absolutely haven't seen Trumpism. Uh, Trumpism is going to endure long after Trump is gone, long after he's irrelevant, and long after uh, he's uh, uh, dead and gone. Uh, he's uh, touched into a nerve in American politics, which speaks to the angry, disenfranchised uh, um, uh, parts of uh, the United States that are adverse to change, that are adverse to giving up uh, long-held traditions and long-held privileges. And uh, we're going to see elements of of Trump and Trumpism in in politics for dates to come, which may lead to maybe not events of this magnitude, but this this type of of partisan unrest is, is just the beginning, I would say. Uh, last question. Many questioning the security in and around that building, the role of uh, Capitol Police. Some who you know were seen taking selfies. There's been mm-hmm. allegations that they actually uh, let them in. Uh, spokespeople from Black Lives Matter has said, you know, man, if this was us, there'd be a lot of be a lot more violence. Is there a double standard here? Is that accurate? Is it valid? Absolutely, absolutely. There's a double standard here. Uh, that, I mean, if you have the next hour and a half of your show to talk about it, I'm sure we can go through it in great detail. It has yeah. to do with systemic racism, has to do with imbalances of power, has to do with law enforcement in the U.S., but that is absolutely valid. Um, you just have to, uh, you know, you just have to spend five minutes on the Internet looking at the responses to, to BLM protests or uh, um, uh, other protests where people of color are mainly represented and uh, much, much harsher. Than what we saw at Capitol Hill, and 
uh, it's the cynic in me uh, will say that, that I'm not surprised it, it went out this way. Uh, it's, it's sad, it's disgusting, but I'm not surprised. Many talk about Donald Trump's base and how solid it is. Uh, this has obviously fractured the Republican Party. It's in two big pieces, uh, or one maybe smaller than the other. Who knows? What about the base? Is the base loving this? Um, or are they saying, I, you know what, this is way over the top? You have little cadres within the, the, the base itself. There's a certain there's a certain apologist element that are saying, oh, oh this is Antifa or or this is a false flag, and oh, oh that, uh, yeah, uh, for example, the, um, the QAnon shaman, the, the man you, you referenced uh, uh, earlier, the, the guy wearing the bear headdress had, who stood at the speaker's uh, podium, he's being, um, he's being uh, touted as an Antifa plant uh, by, by members of the base. Other members of the base uh, are, are expressing disappointment, while others are, are cheering along. Like any sort of complex social group, you have elements here that, that uh, are delighted, elements that are revolted in elements that are trying to um, explain away or, or uh, uh, cast the blame on, on enemies or other groups. This is less about what your political stripe is and more in just about extreme, about extremism, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's 100% right on. It's, it's, um, this isn't your average conservative or Republican voter. This is the fringe of the fringe of the fringe. They were riled up. They were uh, encouraged to uh, go there. They were uh, rise up that morning by President Trump himself. So, I mean, uh, th- this doesn't represent, it represents an issue in American politics, the French. Dr. David Hoffman has been with us, Associate Professor of Sociology at the University of New Brunswick, talking about uh, what makes uh, rioters, demonstrators do what they do. David, thank you so much for the time and insight. Be well. Pleasure. Have a good one. You too. 118. Going to take a quick break here. When we return, Quebec has imposed an overnight curfew. More on that when we return. The Scott Thompson Show. Weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.